Welcome to VC for Stupid Idiots. We are your idiots, Marianne, Michelle, and Francesco from NomadicMinds.Capital. Here, we interview the best investors on the planet to learn their secrets and tell them a lot of bad jokes. Then, we use their knowledge to invest in emerging market startups. Because this is the most effective way to lift people out of poverty and make outstanding returns. If you want to see what we are investing in this week, please join us at nomadicminds.capital. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. We are called VCs for Stupid Idiots, as you all know already where we obviously, Francesca and I are the stupid idiots. And today we have with us Paul Martino. Thank you very much for being here, Paul. And uh, Francesco will be leading our podcast today. But I would like you to start off just by telling us a bit more about yourself, please. Anytime I'm on a podcast with a title like that, you got to be excited. <laughs> so uh, Paul Martino, I'm an eight-time founder my fifth company was my venture capital firm that I started 11 years ago called Bullpen Capital. We are on our sixth fund, have about $400 million under management across those funds. Been in all sorts of stuff, everything from FanDuel and Fantasy Sports to Ipsy and Cosmetics to Braze and Enterprise Software that just went public last week. Yeah, congratulations, so, we've seen that. So we, we, we are a generalist firm. And as we tell others, we like stuff that's a little off the beaten path. A founder that didn't go to the fancy school, a geography that people aren't paying attention to, or a category that everybody knows no one will ever make money in. That's the stuff we like at Bullpen. That's great, Paul. I'm super excited to have you here. That's four reasons why I'm super excited to have you here. The first is, I'm going to speak slow because I think uh, getting my accent is a, is a, is a challenge. So... The first one is you are one of the person that make things happen. So the majority of VCs are just trying to get a small allocation in a competitive deal. That's what yes. they think. That's when the, while you you are some you are the guy that's uh, the, I don't I don't think all the times, but a good percentage of the times you actually pick a company that nobody's picked before, and you invest in them, make things happen. So without you, this company probably wouldn't exist. That, that's exactly right. And I take that as the highest possible compliment. A lot of times in our business, you get asked about what is called your anti-portfolio. Meaning, what are the companies you said no to that became worth a lot of money? And our anti-portfolio is very short because of what you just said. If we didn't write the check, the company doesn't exist. So it's tough for it to be part of my anti-portfolio. Now, it doesn't mean there aren't a few companies on my anti-portfolio, but our list is much shorter than most firms because of your first question. Yeah, so, and that, that, that's great because like the, the, the good thing about venture is making things up and giving people the chance to use, uh, uh, I don't know, a uh, telehealth app that were never used before. So life of people is actually improved thanks to you and you make these things happen while other vcs just well most of them they're just trying to fight for a small location in a competitive deal as well you you you're the one that makes things happen yeah second thing that why i um, i'm deeply in love with paul martino is because his motivation so whatever you talk to people they 
Whenever you ask them, okay, why do you do stuff? They're gonna tell you because of the money. And it makes sense. But to be honest, the money is the less rational thing that you can pursue because money doesn't mean anything. What we really want money for is having the emotion to feel secure, the emotion to feel better, the emotion to feel like best than anyone, etc. And when uh, people ask to Paul Martino, Paul, why are you doing what you do? He always say, I just want to show off that I'm better. I just want to do the victory lap around Sandy Road. And that's the most like, that's the most real feeling ever. So it's like, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm just doing it for the feeling of being right. Correct? That is 100% right. Randy Komisar from Kleiner Perkins taught me this years ago. He said, Martino, there's three kinds of people walk into my office at Kleiner Perkins. People who want to make money, who I never invest in. People who want to win, who I will occasionally invest in. And then guys like you who just want to be right, who I frequently invest in. And I love that dichotomy of the three motivations of an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's right. And then the, the, the last thing is because you invest in outsider. And in our little world, we all outsider. So apart from a couple of MBAs from Stanford and stuff, we're all outsiders. So giving those people the chance to actually show off that you don't need to be from Stanford, you need to be from MIT to make things happen. This is great. Yes. With that say, uh, the, today the show, the podcast, whatever it's called, so we go around the three listeners and they're all really excited to have you here to, to listen to you. And so um, the all basically the show would be focused on what do you think a VC should do to be actually impactful? To be why VCs are wrong and why VC why the VC market is broken and how it could be fixed. So first thing, what do you think is the main mistakes all the VCs are doing? What is the most overlooked opportunity that VCs are missing on? The biggest problem is that the best venture capitalists are just pattern matchers, and so once you have a pattern that works. You stick with the pattern that works. And if your pattern happens to be fun two people who left Facebook and went to Stanford, well, guess what? You got a lot of company in your pattern. And there are very few venture people, in my opinion, who try and do what we do at Bullpen, which is break the pattern. You know, when you get a husband and wife team from Edinburgh, Scotland, doing fantasy sports... They get 75 no's because they're a husband and wife team doing fantasy sports in Edinburgh, Scotland. But no one actually bothered to look if that business called FanDuel was a good business. We try our best to look if the business is a good business. And that lets us screen and look at a whole bunch of founders that never even get the meeting with the venture people. And I really wish more venture people had a more open door policy the stuff that wasn't just in their pattern. Yeah, that's great. So like regarding FanDuel, just a funny story. It was actually my first client in my company when, before I sold there. So I, 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 I do love FanDuel, guys. And with that saying, one thing. So why do you think... So my question is, if you look at emerging markets founders, okay? So someone from Kenya, someone from Nigeria, someone from... I don't know, Jordan, what suggestion would you give to them? Because they are, eventually they have to deal with those pattern recognition that these VCs have. What, what advice would you give to them, to an amazing founder in Congo, if they want to raise capital? So the good news is it's getting better. 
and the democratization of the front end of seed is really starting to proliferate, not just across the U.S. where it started about five years ago, but across the rest of the world. I'll just give you an example. In our own portfolio, our last four deals were in Singapore, Colombia, Brazil, Mexico City, and if I throw a fifth one in there, it was Calgary. So none of them are quite Congo, but they sure aren't all in Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah definitely. And uh, another question, you, I mean, I don't know if it's still, still your focus, but you used to focus on Seed Plus. So you raise your seed, then comes come to us. What's your strategy right now? You're doing Seed Plus, are you doing Seed, are you doing Series A? All Seed Plus, but we call it post-Seed. Seed Plus is a great term. And in many ways, Francesco, you have to understand C plus allows us to enter other markets more readily than straight seed or pre-seed. I think let's use your Congo example. If I see a deal from Congo and it's a pre-seed or seed deal, it's too early for me. But if I see an entrepreneur who's raised a couple bucks in Congo, has made some money and has non-trivial product market fit, it's a lot easier for me to underwrite that seed plus round in a geography I've never been into. And we have a rule. When we go into a new geography, like when I did my deal in Brazil and when I did my deal in Singapore, I've got to have a local investor to team with because I can't go to the Congo every weekend, right? I just can't do that. But I can give a lot of expertise in Silicon Valley mojo to that company, provided I can team with somebody from the local geography. So being seed plus makes it a lot easier to go into a new geography than being seed or pre-seed. Yeah, 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 definitely. Also, like I guess in Seed Plus, it's all is also about the numbers. Why in Seed is all about the idea, the market, etc. Right. And to be honest, right. as smart as you can be, Paul, you know nothing about Congo. I don't know Congo food delivery market. That's the thing. Right. So, so what is what do you think during your victory laps? Okay, so he, he spot this uh, couple from Edinburgh and the great fan jewel, and they, they you basically show off everyone in their faces that you were right. What is the most common mistake that you basically do in your victory laps that you say, okay, you guys, you were wrong because of this. What's the most common mistake this guy do? So let me give you one piece of clarification. As much as I say I take the victory lap, I actually don't get to do it, right? I'm not in the room when Nigel and Leslie go in there and then a bunch of people are fighting to do that round. They actually get to do the victory lap. I get to play coach, right? I'm the coach on the sideline. They're the CEO. So I, when I say I get to take the victory lap, sure, we all do in our partner meeting the next week. But the real pride and joy comes from the CEO who is previously an outsider who now feels like an insider. And that never stops being satisfying, right? One of my favorite ones is Mark Lawrence, our CEO of Spot Hero in Chicago. Many ways, an outsider. Worked at a bank, uh, and I don't mean like an investment bank. I mean like a regular bank. Uh, you know, he, he's like from Chicago. He is, what's that? Like a cashier, like literally like a desk. Like right, a, right, oh, okay. right, 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 right. And he's from Chicago. He has no technical training. Uh, you know, his... His law firm who incorporated the firm was like his brother. I'm like, hey, let's fix a couple of these things. We got them fixed. And Spot Hero became a big direct-to-consumer success story for on-demand parking. And uh, COVID was hard, but now they've come out of it. 
And I'll never forget when he got to do the victory lap. I mean, he called me up, you know, from the meetings. He's like, Paul, it's like, it's like I'm in a different world. They treat me so differently now. Like, because of you, I'm part of the, I'm part of the team now. Like, they didn't even take my phone call before. And and that is very emotionally satisfying, continues to be, and always will be. Oh, this is great. This is great. And um, one of the reasons why we love this is because and that's what we experience right now with emerging markets. So, you know, before emerging markets were cool, before the SoftBank and Marcelo right. Duarte thing, nobody gives a shit about, uh, about like LATAM or Africa or Europe, etc. Right. Right. right now is a kind of hot. Uh, and yeah, we're seeing that the startups, they, they were like, oh, this weird guy from Colombia is knocking my door to, ah, look, you're going to, I'm going to location, new bank, you know? Right. So... So we're famous for emerging markets, but we're also famous for really bad jokes. So you know what the stars and my grandmother's teeth have in common? I can't wait. You got to tell me. Yeah, uh, they both come out tonight. So uh, Bo, uh, the, the other question is, what advice would you give to angel investors right now to start investing? Like, I want to start investing right now. What, what advice would you give me? Oh, well, that's easy. Don't start the meeting with a bad joke. That's that that one is straight. Uh, look, I mean, I might have done you a favor right there. So, look, angel investing is a different thing, right? It's it's off your own balance sheet. It's not part of an institution. It's hit or miss. I think angel investing is very important to know. Take money you can light on fire. Take let that be your angel money. If your mindset is, I can literally light this on fire, you will be a good angel investor. If your mindset is, I have to make money on this investment, you'll be a bad angel investor. Got it. And well, it makes a lot of sense. And what about the most common mistakes founders do when they pitch you? Like the one you say, okay, they do this. Just please, guys, don't do this when pitch to me. They don't do their homework. This one's easy. Nothing makes me more frustrated than a founder who hasn't done just a little bit of homework. Hey, I'm doing this podcast with you. You knew a lot about me. You knew the kinds of stuff I invested in. You know the kind of stuff I like. For example, I write detailed blog posts on why I don't like to see product demos when you come into my office. So a CEO comes in, doesn't know who I am, and tries to do a product demo. Boy, oh boy, you can't shoot yourself in the foot much faster than that. And it's not like I haven't been writing about it for 10 years. I gave you all the clues. And what is the thing that you you basically, you love the most when a founder is pitching you? Like someone is pitching you and for you it's like, wow, that's actually good. Like one total, sentence. Total mastery of their numbers. Like they don't need to look at the presentation. They just know. They know yeah. what their gross margin is. They know how fast they grew. They know how many employees they have. They know what their burn rate is. They just have like the numbers come out of them as opposed to that they look at a spreadsheet. When I see a CEO with that level of mastery, that is when I sit up and go, this is someone I got to really take seriously. Yeah. So like one thing that we always say, like as a dirty trick to impress investors, if someone asking you uh, how much MRR you got, don't say 10K, say 9K, 99.76 cents. That's the best way because you look smart. Maybe you're not, but who cares anyway? And <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, my... My question is actually, so what's good about living in Switzerland? Living in Switzerland? Yeah. I've never I, lived, I've never, 
Yeah, I, I don't know either, but the flag is a big plus. Uh, going back on us, what do you what do you think a founder can do right now, apart from the numbers, apart from showing off every show, showing off that he knows everything, to impress Paul Martin? They can listen to this podcast. Okay. I mean, I know it sounds lame, but the fact of the matter is. People in my business are no longer opaque or strangers or tough to find out about. We're all on podcast. We all have blogs. We all have Instagram. You see what we post. We write about what we like and we don't like. I mean, all you got to do is spend 20 minutes on this podcast and you're probably much better prepared to come pitch me. That's the thing. And if you you could write on a billboard, something really big in Sandhill Road, and something really big in Arno, Times Square. A big advice, what would you write? One, okay, it should be on a billboard, so don't write too much. So I ran a conference called No Lease Allowed. Yeah. We had these big wrapper pendants that were pictures of fleece vests with an X around them. So I think I would put No Fleece Allowed because what it means is you wear that fleece vest, You think like everybody else, I don't want to talk to you. And I think the fleece vest is almost in is almost an insignia. I think like everybody else. So I think my my poster would say no fleece allowed. Uh and that's that's what it would say and that's why it say it. Mm-mm. And uh, how do you make an egg roll? I know it's a joke, but I still can't understand. See, you're tipping your hand, by the way. See, when you're telling me a joke, you lean in a little bit. I'm a okay. poker player, so I, I just saw your tell. Now I know it's a joke because you're leaning. Got it. Oh, okay. man. I feel such a rookie right now. Anyway, so how do you make a head roll? Um, you push it. So uh, go, going back on us, I don't know, was it funny? Michelle is laughing. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, anyway, I told you just bad jokes here. Bad jokes that in might have, yeah. That might have been like the best joke you ever had on this podcast. <laughs> to oh, okay. be honest. Yeah, you can imagine <laughs> the others <laughs> though. <laughs> okay, so I called you um I, I, I'll introduce your startups next week. And uh, you called me up the day after and say, Francesco, this was the most shitty startups I ever met this year. What have this guy possibly tell you apart from the Apart from obviously from the fact that you show your product demo. Well, I had it happen once. I had a game founder come into my office and after three or four times of me telling him that we don't do product demos, he literally burst into tears in front of me. I mean, literally burst into tears and said, if you don't want to see my product, you must not be the investor for me. Packed up his stuff and ran out crying. Oh. I- I've never seen anything like it. Never, never seen anything like it. Never seen anything like it since. I want to hug this guy now. Oh, I you remember can't... who he is. I won't tell you, though. Yeah, don't tell me. But if you're listening to us, come visit me in Italy. I'm going to give you a big hug. You're going to make it. Keep pushing. <laughs> so, uh, about um, you had a lot of successes. Paul the entrepreneur, Paul the investor, Paul, Paul the poker player. Uh, not Paul, the joke listener, it wasn't good, but the other polls were actually good. Can you recall a specific skill, trait, sentence, way of seeing life that you can clearly 
see in every time every time you had a success in you on other people like every, every time i mean i found this that specific way of doing things i know it's good what's this thing for you so it's it's very hard to answer because it's never always right but i'll tell you the thing i like is when i am literally the only person who thinks i'm right my partner, Eric Wiesen and I at Bullpen Capital were looking over our best performing deals of the decade. And it turns out a lot of our best performing deals over the last decade, only one partner in the entire group liked it. Basically, that partner stood up and said, you're all wrong. And luckily, we did a lot of those deals because some of them are our best performing deals. Braze, for example, went public, pays back my first fund multiple times. Rich Melman was the only partner who liked it. So there's a lesson in that, which is don't be afraid to be the only person who thinks you're right. That's actually, it's a lonely feeling, but once you're comfortable with it, it's a very good feeling. Yeah, also like I, I was I was reading this interview, a partner at Kleiner Perkins, and they were saying that if anyone, if, if everybody on the on the partner and the partner meeting agrees, you know it's shit. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, it's just, it's, it, it's like, it's good. It, it's like, you know, I also made it, one of my companies, I started a film studio. I made a movie that came out uh, two years ago. And I learned this in the movie business. The only way to make a truly horrible movie is to have a pure consensus, have the best actors, have the best director. Have the, the only way to make a truly awful movie is if you have all the best possible people. That's the only way you can make a truly terrible movie. Got it. No, it makes it makes a lot of sense. So, guys, be contrarian when you invest. And yeah, I mean, I, I, so that's my personal suggestion. Okay, when for if you guys are starting to invest, if you want to start, don't be too too much contrarian. Just learn, and then when you learn, be able to be as contrarian as you can. What do you think? When you start, you think you're right, and there's things that you know they're not right. But maybe like after five, six years of investing, then you can be contrarian. That's that's my take on this. More contrarians are good for the business, period. However we make them. Mm -hmm. So what is the a cat favorite candy? Catnip. No, the kitty car bar. Uh, so yeah, Michelle, thank you for laughing. Literally, like I love you so much when you laugh at my jokes. It's probably the only one. I don't even understand the jokes, so that's okay. That's fine. I don't even I, mean, I don't even understand either. I just read it and say that. Don't tell the people though. Uh, so, last question of the. So, uh, Michelle, do you want to ask the three fast questions to our guest? Yes, absolutely. So, how we do our three super fast questions is uh, we would like you to answer either in one word or, or, or with one sentence. So, is there any country you can expect massive growth? Brazil. Fantastic. And what would you say is the hottest industry right now? I don't invest in them. <laughs> Great. And what advice would you give to other angels to be successful? Don't be afraid. But, and the most Fantastic. overlooked industry right now? Wow, there's always overlooked industries, right? Right now, I tell you what, chatbots, which were cool years ago, yeah. went through their, oh my God, they're terrible. And now they're coming <laughs> back, right? We love that. Yeah. We love when it got hot. Everybody lost their shirt and now it comes back to us. We're like, cool, there's some good deals in here now. Yeah, like climate. Yeah. 
Paul, it's been absolutely great. Thank you so much for this. It's been literally amazing. I'm really glad that I got to meet you. And yeah, what's wrong with the dolphin? Yeah, I, I don't know. No fin. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so thank you so much, Paul. And let's, yeah, let, thank you for all our three listeners today. And let's see each other in the other episode. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time.